Hello, this is Arkham Horror Badly. My name is Predir, and I play Arkham Horror the card game. Just not that well. Welcome to another episode, and this is a special episode because, um, as we've done before, I am joined today by... Hello, it's me, John. Hello, John. Uh, why are you here, John? Uh, I'm here because I do the Watch This podcast, um, and I've been playing a Sephina deck through the dreaming side of the Dream Eaters, and you have been coming to try and rescue me uh, with your Yorick deck. I have indeed. So what we're going to do today um, is we're going to go through the epilogue, or the interlude rather, between the uh, third pair of scenarios in uh, the Dream Eaters campaign and the final pair of scenarios. Um, and uh, then we're going to do some discussion of how we're going to upgrade our decks for the uh, dual final showdowns, which is Sephina in Where the Gods Dwell and uh, William in uh, The Weaver of the Cosmos. So... Uh, okay, well, do you want to go first and, and uh, discuss what horrible things happened to Sephina after she uh, went to the moon? Yeah, okay. So, following scenario 3A, the Dreamers are on their way to the cold wastes wherein lies unknown Kadath. Um, but Sephina is nudged out of a sleepless reverie by a furry forehead, uh, and she looks down to find the black cat peering up at her. And um, the black cat says to her that... that they see she's made some progress and and she's not she's not sure uh that she'd call it progress uh because although she's finally on her way to the core wastes she hasn't quite been down where kadath actually is and she doesn't know what it will be like when she gets there um and so she asks the cat if it knows and um it it responds by saying that it's foreseen her arrival in kadath for some time um but um kind of doesn't go into any great detail, uh, which is slightly frustrating, and then just bounds off into the void of space uh, before she can ask any questions. Um, so, you know, that that's quite cat-like behaviour, probably. Um, but because the cat has a hunch, it does not stick around. It is. Um, and then, I believe, the cat visits Yorick in um, the second part, in the second part of the interlude. Yeah, so last time, uh, William Yorick was uh, having a lot of difficulties uh, in the point of no return, but he ended up um, with a rather lucky uh, escape, jumping into the Sea of Pitch in the underworld and um, finding himself after swimming through that horrible black sludge um, on a on a well on a kind of rocky outcrop with lots of uh, horrible magic webs uh, stretching everywhere, as far as the eye can see. Um, which is, is sort of the, the place where he will be uh, adventuring in his final scenario. Um, and uh, we, the, the cat, uh, who's just been speaking to Sephina, uh, comes to see Yorick. And of course, we're not sure if this is, if these things actually are alternating, because time seems to be flowing very differently in the different parts of these stories. Um, but the cat uh, comes to Yorick. And uh, they say that uh, the the webs here are a bridge between the waking world and the dreaming world. And if this bridge of webs is completed, then uh, the dream world and the real world will merge. And that's bad. So um, 
what the cat says is, uh, you have to stop this at all costs. Nothing else matters. Nothing. And then the cat looks at uh, William's companion, Randolph Carter, and is uh, highly perturbed by it. It's it's hisses, uh, they hiss, and uh, they prowl around it looking perturbed. And um, the, the Randolph asks, Have I done something to offend you? And the cat says, Your mere existence offends me. And uh, then they say, I have to prepare. I'll return when the time is right. And uh, they vanish. And we record in the campaign log, The Black Cat Knows the Truth. Dramatic sting. Okay, well... Um, so your Sefina is going into the, uh, where the gods dwell, and uh, Yorick is going into the Weaver of the Cosmos, and they are both sort of boss scenarios, I suppose. They're final boss fights, but they're really rather different. Um, so I suppose that, I mean, we've both played these campaigns before, and I think we can assume that the listeners are familiar with their campaigns, and if they're not, then there will be spoilers for those scenarios, I guess. Um, but it may make sense for us to at least think about teching for these scenarios because to a certain extent uh, these scenarios are likely to be, I was going to say easier, but probably less horrifically difficult if you at least try to prepare for some of the uh, horrible uh, world-ending things that will happen to you. Um, so uh, do you want to talk about uh, Sefina first? Um, how much XP does Sefina have to uh, prepare herself for uh, he who shall not be named? Um, seven. I have seven experience. Nice. So have you thought about what you will be facing in uh, Kadath and the Onyx Castle uh, and what kind of cards you might want to put in? I have some suggestions, some things that I thought of. I mean, some of the cards that I thought of are the same cards that I've been recommending to you numerous times, um, but there are sort of, you know, a couple of things which may be more pressing, I suppose. Yeah, so so I have I have a couple of ideas, but why don't you why don't you kind of um, outline your thoughts and then um, and then we can go from there. Okay. Um, so just a quick question: You don't have any trauma, do you yet? Uh, <laughs> I like I like yet. Uh, no, no, I don't. I've I've managed to escape without trauma so far. That's good. So um, th one of the things I was going to suggest, uh, which is a card I really like, is Robes of Endless Night, um, the upgraded version, presumably, and uh, it gives you a uh, health soak, um, but it also gives you the opportunity to play spells uh, for cheap and also uh, to, to, to play them without causing attacks of opportunity, which could be useful. Um, uh, now, you, because you don't have trauma, Sephina's not that squishy, but there is quite there is the potential for lots of damage in 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 where the gods dwell, especially if you get one of the uh, results where I think at the end of one of the agendas, Nyanlathotep will attack you like four times or something if you, or you, if you don't choose one of the other options. Um, so maybe having some kind of soak is going to be useful for you here. You've got quite a few spells in your deck. You've got Shriveling twice, Six Sense twice. You've got Banish, uh, Counter Spell, Deny Existence, Read the Signs, Spectral Razor, uh, and Word of Command. You've got so quite a lot of spells, and uh, Rose Endless Knight would um, discount those for you. Yep, yep. Which might be nice. So that was my first suggestion. Yep, makes sense. 
Second suggestion is Time Warp, which I think you may have mentioned in the past. Uh, but Time Warp, I thought, is particularly potentially useful because there's a lot of this scenario that comes down to chance. You have to be lucky enough to draw the right card or unlucky enough to draw the right card, the wrong card. Um, and if you're trying to get the, you know, the the Whispers card and the you know, Lathotep card in the right place and you flub a test, then that's really bad. So maybe you want Time Warp to give you another chance at that test or to another chance at drawing a card or not drawing a card from the Encounter deck um, as appropriate. Another option is Hypnotic Gaze. Um, now, it does, it does work with uh, elite enemies. It cancels an attack. It costs, it costs two. Um, which is quite a lot, but it cancels and there's a somewhat small chance that you'll deal damage to the enemy. But again, because there are lots of attacks potentially in uh, Where the Gods Dwell, um, cancelling some of them might be nice. Uh, I was thinking potentially Recharge. It's not a card I've ever run, um, but Shriveling is your main combat spell. I mean, you've got two Spectral Razors as well, but um, if you sort of run out of shriveling maybe you maybe you want to try and get some stuff back on shriveling and uh, recharge is a, a zero cost card that some could add three charges to it um or discard it but if it's got no charges in it who cares um so that's one option uh penultimate option is stargazing i think i mentioned stargazing in the past now stargazing i'm not sure if this is good or not because it adds a card to the encounter deck which is something that you don't want but potentially at some point you might, you know, towards if you've got the cards that you need in hand and you're just waiting to be in the right situation to play them, then maybe Stargazing could um, stop you drawing something uh, game-ending from the encounter deck. But it's, it's I'm, I'm uncertain about it. Um, and the final one is just Guts 2. I really like Guts 2. And um, some, you know, some of these tests are going to be quite difficult, probably. And um, albeit that you can use Renfield and Four of Cups and so on to up your um, up your willpower, maybe guts too with its uh, three willpower icons and the potential of drawing two cards is something you might like. Yeah, so I think I think all of those are good choices, and I think um, so so um, so I've got seven XP, and um, I'll I'll tell you what I'm thinking about uh taking and you can um tell me if you think i'm being daft okay so i think time warp time warp is potentially a really good um a really good pick because as you said if i get unlucky with one of the checks i need to kind of do vital stuff in that third part of the scenario um time warp kind of might give me a second chance if that goes horribly wrong and if i can get it underneath sephina at the start and and kind of target it with painted world it potentially gives me quite a few opportunities to um to rewind time as it were um it also means like with um you mentioned recharge um i must admit i've also not run recharge um uh oh no sorry i have i ran it in jacqueline fine when i played her um i'm a little bit i'm a little bit reluctant um with recharge because if you reveal a face token you discard the asset and i believe there are is it seven face tokens hang on let me just uh double check is it that many mm. 
one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, seven, seven face tokens. So, um, and that's out of a chaos bag of seventeen. So it's more than a one third chance that the the asset will get discarded. So that's the other thing that makes me a bit worried. But also, if I miss a shriveling hit, then I and I've got time warp in hand. I can also undo that and go again. So in a way, time warp is also charge management. That's very true. People who have listened to the Drawn to the Flame run through um, uh, Where the Gods Dwell uh, will be aware that, that one of the really critical things to be able to do is to get the cards you need out of the encounter deck. And so there are, there are, there are two level zero mystic cards that Seth has access to that I'm wondering about swapping in. Um, and, and so one of those cards is Parallel Fates. So uh, Parallel Fates is in the Jacqueline Fine um, pack, and it is look at the top four cards of the encounter deck, reveal a random token from the Chaos Bag, and if it has a face symbol, then shuffle the cards back into the encounter deck, otherwise return them to the top in any order. So if you draw one of those face tokens with, with the Parallel Fates, um, which there's a uh, 7 in 17 chance of doing, then instead of looking at the top four cards, you shuffle them into the encounter deck. Now, that, that might be okay. Like, if none of those top four cards are useful, shuffling the encounter deck is great because it means I'm not wasting four turns um, or four rounds where I can't really do anything useful. Um, but if they are useful, then what I can do is I can play Time Warp to um, prevent the shuffle effectively um, and, and kind of um, make sure that I've got a second chance to draw a token that doesn't trigger that shuffle, uh, and then and then I'm kind of um, using time warp to better control um, the encounter deck. Now the only slight problem is um, what time warp does is that it play, you, well you have to play it immediately after an investigator at your location finishes resolving an action. So I would have to if I drew the token I'd have to shuffle the encounter deck and then I would play time warp to get parallel fates back in hand and I would do it again. So like the second time I play it there's no guarantee that the top 4 um are as useful as they were the first time I played it. But it it it, it still seems like one option for trying to control uh the encounter deck. Interesting. And it's event-based, which is um, tempting given Seth's, um, well, uh, investigator um, ability. Absolutely, yeah. The other one I'm tempted by is Scroll of Secrets. So I'm playing Sephina Taboo because, um, I mean, I say that, it, I'm, not, I'm not playing Delve Too Deep, so it hasn't actually really come up i don't think any of the cards i've taken are affected by the taboo um but i sort of assume i'm playing taboo unless i've i've deliberately said otherwise sure and the um the taboo version of the level zero scroll of secrets lets you as a free ability look at the bottom card of the encounter deck and or and then you can um discard it put it on the bottom of the deck or put it on the top of the deck and so i can I would be able to look at the bottom card and if it's useful I could put it on the top and if it's not useful I can discard it which helps um, make Parallel Fates more useful because it can thin out the encounter deck, thin the useless cards out which means I'm more likely to hit them um, with Parallel Fates but it also means if I do see useful ones I can I can put them on top um, which is potentially also um, a good thing. So short of taking Versatile and putting on the Hunt in um, which would still be off class but is more off class than we have hitherto been um kind of exploring i think 
those are the best two mystic ways of of approaching the problem yeah those are really interesting choices and i I, it wouldn't have occurred to me really i think it's fine for you to take off class cards that are not rogue (laughs) um so if you sort of used versatile as a backdoor to put in you know lone wolf or something then that would be a big uh big uh klaxon (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think i mean uh, yeah, I think those are all good ideas. I, it, it might well be worth you putting Versatile uh, and two copies of both of those Mystic events and then one copy of On the Hunt if you want that. Um, because then you're... The problem with putting in Versatile to get On the Hunt is that it dilutes your chance of drawing On the Hunt at any given time. And so it, it, it's much harder for you to dig through your deck, especially because Sephina has a larger deck size than than the typical investigator but if the other four cards that you're adding are also um helping you out uh with the encounter deck then what you're doing is actually increasing the chances of drawing a card from your deck that somehow manipulates the encounter deck which is probably what you know the 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 best way of helping yourself out in in this scenario given how um given how rough it can be if you just draw garbage from the encounter deck and just uh, yeah so yeah that's one option or you could just yeah as i think you suggested initially use a single xp to bring in one of them or two of them uh, depending on how crucial you think other things are yeah i think my my initial inclination is to go two time warp two parallel fates one scroll of secrets um because i think that's the best use of Seth's ability. I kind of wish I had one more XP so I could put two Scroll of Secrets in, but given I don't have enough to put all of those in, I think that's probably the best way. I'm also slightly regretting getting rid of Drawn to the Flame um, because that that would also actually, in hindsight, have been a very useful uh, tech card here. Um, but... I'll know I'll know for next time I take a mystic through um this campaign uh, that drawn to the flame is potentially a good a good pick to keep in your deck. Yeah, usually drawing an encounter deck is not some encounter card is not something that you voluntarily would like to do, but here it is I mean it's not beneficial but it does drive you towards your goal I suppose. So yeah, um yeah, why not? I mean I I very rarely buy one x sorry zero xp cards when I upgrade um a deck uh, i usually use adaptable which of course seth could use but uh but not here um so i mean that that's a, that sounds like a good plan to me and and it shows that you're really kind of it would be teching for this scenario really well i suppose that the big question then would be what you take out of the deck because a lot of your cards are pretty useful did you have any ideas of things that could be put away you know re- replaced uh that i mean that's that's it's a difficult one the short answer is is no mm. uh which i appreciate is spectacularly unhelpful that i'm thinking possibly uncage the soul uh-huh. which um is useful but which i have not i have not found this deck has been poor previously um and i don't I don't think the changes I'm proposing would massively change the cost curve. So I'm wondering whether I could get away without Uncaged the Soul. Um, I'm also wondering... I could take out the one-of Quantum Flux because it's useful, but, um, you know, it's not critical to the build. Um, 
and given given that i given that i don't want to disrupt or, or i want to make sure i'm hitting events to put under seth i'm kind of tempted to take out either guts or promise of power probably promise of power um because guts would let me draw cards which i think will be useful trying to find the pieces that i need whereas promise of power i mean obviously promise of power is great um but i mean maybe i'd be able to get away without it i think that's that's probably right especially because you also don't necessarily want to put curse tokens in uh, sort of when, when you've got such crucial tests coming up yeah that's the thing um and, and especially if i'm doing this much encounter deck filtering we hope then it, it might well be that um uh promise of power is less critical than it would be normally anyway yes you should be able to set yourself up uh better and not have to depend on a you know on on a throwing four icons on, on a test um but yeah i mean there's there's so much uncertainty to, though in uncertainty though in this scenario because you you don't know which copy of Nyarlathotep type you'll have in your hand and some of the, and it might say evade this guy and that's easy or it might be hard and um you're just gonna have to sort of roll with the punches a little bit but uh no i think i mean i think that guts is uh, is a very useful card for you uh, i think i would choose guts over promise of power in this case simply because it comes with card draw and you don't really have any card draw otherwise except crystal pendulum right yeah and crystal pendulum obviously is fantastic but it's not as um it, it, it's not as reliable as um as guts is if you've got it in hand uh in a lot of ways yeah it's a little it's a little bit of a crapshoot isn't it with crystal pendulum sometimes it, you, you're right sometimes you're not um yeah i think i think that's exactly it and i don't remember what the bag is like in the last um in the last scenario i can't i can't remember uh what the the, the face tokens actually do um but i don't i think they're all quite nasty if i recall correctly um so like if they were um if they were kind of mostly zeros and minus ones i'd be like oh i could just guess it's a zero every time and i'll be fine um but i'm a little bit reluctant to do that i think that's less likely to work okay well i think i mean that sounds like a plan to me yes yes well hopefully um do you so shall we shall we talk about shall we talk about your deck next yeah let's do that um i was just as before as a segue into that i was just looking up the uh, scenario card for where the gods dwell um skulls are minus x which is the number of the current act so by the end they're going to be minus fours or fives probably uh cultist you have to reveal another token and if you fail you place a doom and uh, the a tablet is a minus four. And uh, if you have a copy of Neon Lathotep in your hand, it attacks you. So none of those are good at all. No, not great. Uh, okay, okay, let's uh, let's go towards uh, William Yorick. Okay, so William is uh, going in to fight us some spider legs. Uh, and so I've only played this scenario once, and I think that primarily I will need to get some clues uh, and then go shooty bang bang. Um, I think that Yorick is more likely to be able to get the um, you know to, to actually damage the the legs and and Adlatnacha itself with weapons rather than getting the rather than depending on the idea of getting clues and spending the clues to damage the legs. Um, but I don't know. He has been okay at finding clues here and there. 
but uh, it's not, you know, he's better at doing large amounts of damage. Um, so I got 8 XP in um, Point in the Return, which was a nice change after having a paltry amount in A Thousand Shapes of Horror. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm not really sure what to take. I've got a couple of couple of ideas, but uh, did you have any thoughts of how I could uh, prepare myself for the Weaver of the Cosmos? Yeah, so I have two or three ideas. Um, so, um, yeah, so, um, I mean, two of them are going to be very, um, very boring, um, but hopefully, hopefully the last one's a little bit more interesting. Um, so the first two are Vicious Blow 2 and Beat Cop. The reason for, and I, and I specifically mean Beat Cop uh, level 2, so the reason for this is I know that you're carrying quite a bit of trauma at this point. Um, is it two physical, one mental, or two mental, one physical? Uh, it's a good question. It's one of those two. It's not, it, 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 I think it's two physical, one mental. Okay. Um, and so part of the reason is, like, I know you've got um, Tetsuo Mori um, in your deck at the moment. Um, Beat Cop would give you more health uh, than, than Tetsuo does. And because Beat Cop is um, non-unique, um, well, not because it's non-unique, but because you're kind of treat you're usually treating um, Beat Cops as a bit of an expendable resource. I suppose you are with Tetsuo as well. But, um, but the... The core reason being, uh, it puts your it put your fists up uh, to fight the spider, uh, which seemed good, and it also um, gives you the opportunity to, to to ping damage, which means that if you're um, fighting, I, I believe I'm right in saying all of the legs plus um, the body of the spider are three health or odd health enemies, um, and so it occurred to me that having beat cop to be able to do that last damage. Um, if you kind of throw a knife at it or you do two damage with the Blessed Blade, um, might be really useful. Um, and so that was one kind of... And, and the same kind of logic with Vicious Blow. If you've only got the knife in hand, then Vicious Blow 2 could potentially bump one damage up to three damage and, and, and finish a leg off that little bit more quickly. Um, so that was my, my logic there. Um, the more exciting one is Radiant Smite, which is 1 XP. Um, it's a fight where you can use um, heads instead of fists if you like, but you don't have to. So, for instance, if you had um, if you had Beat Cop down, then you might decide fists were better, but if you have Bandolier down, uh, then maybe, maybe heads are better, and sort of depending on what's in hand as well. Um, but when you initiate the attack, you can search the Kels Bag for up to three Blessed Tokens and seal them on Radiant Smite. And for each that are sealed you get plus one skill and deal plus one damage um so that's another good way that if you've only got a knife or or even if you've got the winchester but um you don't want to be kind of leaving whether or not you do one or three damage uh, to fate um then you can use radiant smite and seal bless tokens um to, to kind of guarantee that extra damage uh, and it has the um benefit that if you defeat the attacked enemy you uh, put them back in the um so if you defeat the attacked enemy, they come out. But if you don't, they go back in the bag. So um, uh, they're not kind of gone forever if, if it doesn't go your way. Um, and that's a little bit of a more left field um, blessed tech suggestion. 
Really cool. Okay, thank you. I'll take the last in, first out approach. So with, with uh, Radiant Smite, it's a card I've played in a few decks. Um, uh, listeners to my podcast may have listened to my previous uh, recording of Father Matteo in uh, Midnight Masks, um, and I put Radiant Smite in Matteo, and it works really well in Matteo. Um, and so I've also played it in Nathaniel for a, for a standalone scenario. It's pretty powerful. Uh, it's you know it's not at all impossible to do four damage in a, in a single blow with it, uh, and that would be very cool. I think I am tempted to take it. It the only thing that's putting me giving me pause is that it goes a sort of a contrary or counter to the idea of filling the bag with blesses in order to make Blessed Blade or Winchester work. Um, and ideally, really, with Righteous Blow, you're taking... Sorry, uh, Righteous Smite. Is that what it's called? Righteous Smite? Radiant Smite. Because I'm looking at Righteous Hunt in front of me, and I, and and, and uh, it's not Righteous Hunt. It's Righteous Hunt and Radiant Smite. Okay, so... Um, it, it, in the... Um, in the last scenario I played, uh, Point of No Return with Yorick, uh, I didn't really get the Winchester to work very well, but I did get the Blessed Blade to work okay. And um, the Blessed Blade is kind of pretty reliant on there being uh, blesses in the bag, really, to be to be any... Well, to, not to be any good, but to do multiple damage. The Winchester I've had more luck with in, in uh, certainly the first scenario, simply by... The, the benefits of, of having an easy chaos bag uh, because there's quite a few tokens I think sort of six tokens uh, inherently in the chaos bag that will uh, deal plus two damage for you with the Winchester and so I've you know the, that I think the Winchester with an easy bag and taboo would work uh, you know perfectly well without any blessed bless tokens um, I've also not managed to get Righteous Hunt to work uh, I don't think um, which is a shame because I really want it to work. So I don't know if to uh, and Sacred Covenant. I can't remember if Sacred Covenant uh, triggered last time. So there's all sorts of blessed uh, blessed tech in the deck that have not really got their chance to shine. So I'm not really sure what I'm arguing to be honest. But I think that Radiance might might be a nice idea. But I don't know whether or not it sits alongside things like Righteous Hunt. Or replaces them, but obviously Righteous Hunt costs XP, so I don't really want to get rid of things that I've spent XP on. Uh, but things like Hand of Fate, Tempt Fate, these are level 0 cards that put blesses in the bag, but maybe they are less uh, less, less crucial now. Uh, because things like Righteous Hunt and Blessed Blade will put the blessed tokens in, potentially. I don't know. It, 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 it is always that balance of put have, uh, when you're playing Bless to put cards in your deck that add Bless tokens, but then have enough cards that do something with those Bless tokens. Um, and because I'm playing monocolor uh, blue, I'm I'm limited in what I could use. I would love to have Keep Faith there, for example, that, uh, that Survivor event, fast event that gives you four blessed tokens that that in Mateo plus Radiant Smite is fantastic but um, in this case um, Yorick has to get those blessed tokens and make more of a more of a drip feed so Radiant Smite is a, is a definite maybe I will I may well put it in but I I'm not a hundred percent convinced yet I'd have to see what you know I'd have to 
like with your deck, decide what comes out and what stays in, and to what extent Radiant Smite would um, would go go well with those. I mean, it's also perfectly okay to have like two ways of 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 two things that you could do with Bless Tokens, right? You could keep them in the bag to power the Winchester, or if really needed, you can take them out the bag to try and do a Radiant Smite on a on a Spider Lake. Um, so yeah, that's fine. So the um, other two, uh, Vicious Blow level two, I think I almost certainly will take uh, one Vicious Blow level two. I already have one Vicious Blow level two and one Vicious Blow level zero. So pushing them both up to Vicious Blow level two is probably worth it um, because of course, if you get Vicious Blow level two to fire uh, and you succeed by two or more, then you're doing three damage, which is the magic number for, uh, for the legs. Um, I can't remember how much health uh, Natcha itself has. Uh, four, I think. So it's, you know, if you can get to it without dying, I think it's, you know, uh, Radiant Smite would be a fancy way of killing it, wouldn't it? So, yeah, I think I think with 2 XP, you're definitely going on Vicious um, Blow 2. Uh, so then there's kind of six left, really. Um, B-Cop level 2, I had not even considered. I think Tetsuo works really well in the deck. Theoretically, but several times he's not worked all that well. Um, the the idea that I can you can search your discard pile or your deck for an item and add add it to your hand, it, it was pretty good. I mean, it allows you to recurse stuff like your knife and whatnot. Um, but Yorick already has an ability that is pretty similar to that, and maybe Tetsuo is is not essential. Uh, for that combo, for that build. Um, and I do like the idea of B-Cop being Soak, and uh, it, it, it sort of, it, 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 it assuming you, I mean, it, you, it's, it's either Soak or you use it for its ability, really, because uh, if you if you use it as sort of health Soak, then you can't use its ability very often. Um, but it can sort of theoretically do three damage uh, over three turns, which is... Really nice on top of the plus one damage from from well two damage from other attacks. So, yeah. So two beat cups would be four. One vicious blow would be six, and then is radiant smite one XP. Okay, so that would be the magic gate XP. Um, okay, so beat cups would take uh, Tetsumori's space in the deck. So that's all right. Vicious Blow would just upgrade that other Vicious Blow. So it's really a matter of what, if, if I take two Radiant Smites, what I would um, what I would up, what I would swap them in for. Um, it's an interesting one. I think that, I mean, it, it, ordinarily you wouldn't end up having two knives probably in your deck for the final scenario in a campaign, but I think that knife is really good in Yorick. Um, and and it's, it, I mean, it, it's kind of almost a recursive two damage uh, you know on, on multiple turns if you can if, if you can get it time it right um and that's that's really good um so I, I i don't think i want to swap those out um i'm not really fussed about hand of fate hand of fate is the is the event that um it, it's fast uh, it cancels an attack against you and then adds um some blesses to the bag but it costs three and i've never been able to 
I don't think to uh, to feel that it's worth paying three or being able to spend three when I want to play it when I, it's been a good time to play it. So I think probably Hand of Fate can come out and then maybe drop an evidence. I don't know. I think evidence is nice even for the two icons. Maybe drop one of the Tempt Fates. That's the neutral event that that adds chaoses and blesses to the bag. Um, everything else kind of everything else just kind of feels quite important. But uh, yeah, what did you think? I was so I think um, the the two I was looking at were evidence and scene of the crime. I wondered whether whether one of those. Um, I don't know. The thing is, I can't remember because I also have only played the Dream Eaters once. I can't remember how much cluing there is in that final scenario because I remember in the once you're trying to kill the spider legs, you can spend clues to do that or you can attack them directly. But I don't know if there's another reason you need clues. But my my only thought is towards the end of the scenario, if I'm remembering right. It might be that if you're planning on taking the damage route, your ability to get clues is not all that important. I think that um, you're right that you don't need the clues in the second part of the scenario, the final part of the scenario. Um, uh, people probably who've played this scenario multiple times are yelling at the uh, at the yeah. podcast right now. Um, but uh, I think that you do need clues in the first part of the scenario in order to get to that point, and. If I get a flashlight down, that's probably fine. But I have relied on scene of the crime quite a lot, um, so I think I would I would ditch evidence before scene of the crime. I think because evidence is much more situational, and uh, the, of course the problem with scene of the crime is if you you know you have to play it the first action and so on and so on. So it, it is also situational, but I think more likely to be played than evidence. So I would probably lose evidence and hand of fate, uh, but I'll have a little think about it. Um, in, you know, I was thinking of hand of fate. It gives you blessed tokens equal to the combined damage and horror dealt by whichever enemy you're you're, evade, you're um, ignoring the attack from. But Athlash Natcha and uh, its legs only deal one damage and one horror, and so any 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 use of hand of fate is going to cost you three to cancel one attack and put two blesses in the bag, which doesn't really feel like like it's really worth it so that's probably why i would get rid of hand of fate it's not really doing much um whereas yeah. radiant smite is i mean at worst it's a little icon but at best it's a, it's you know it's a killing blow so that might be fun so yeah I'll, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll probably sort of go probably do that uh but have a little think about it and then i'll, I'll tell the tell our listeners um at the start of the scenario what i've chosen but um that does sound like a quite a a, a sort of building towards uh, a, a combat-heavy, uh, radiantly smiting, uh, uh, shooty bang bang killy uh, William Yorick. Yep, yep, yep. Um, were there any cards that you had thought about that I um, didn't mention? Was there anything else that you had been eyeing up, as it were? Nothing particularly exciting. What uh, one card that I like uh, because I've mentioned guts level two. I also like overpower level two. I think these uh, upgraded neutral skills are really good. Um, overpower yep. would be a, a you know brilliant icons uh, for for example shooting with a Winchester um, or indeed oh no sorry I've, I lost my train of thought. Um, well I'll, I'll start that sentence again. 
Overpower with its three uh, combat icons is really good if you want to land a shot with the Winchester, for example. Um, but it also draws you cards, and there's not that much card draw here except for Glory, I think. Uh, yeah, that's basically it. So, uh, it, oh, and Temp's Fate. So it, it's it was a possibility, but I'm not sure that uh, 2 XP for, for a copy of Overpower is going to be better than 2 XP for two copies of Radiant Smite. Um, of course, they do different things, but and, and overpower is more generally playable. But um, maybe in this case, I've got enough combat, especially if I put in Beat Cop, because I hadn't really thought about that. And Beat Cop, you know, he can give me a little uh, combat boost, which is pretty great. And then the Winchester, of course, gives you plus two. So with Beat Cop and Winchester, I would be shooting at base eight. Um, no, I wouldn't. Base 7, I can't do maths. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, there's uh, all sorts of opportunities for probably quite reliably passing combat tests. Yeah, no, exactly. Fantastic. Well, uh, that, that's some really good uh, advice. Thank you. And um, I'm looking forward to taking uh, Yorick uh, to either his noble end or uh, to save the universe, uh, either of which you'd be very pleased by, I think. Um, what are your thoughts, uh, final thoughts, going into um, the where the gods dwell? Um, I am quite, I'm quite pessimistic, mainly because it's an incredibly hard scenario. I think, um, I think it's a solid deck. I think it's been performing well so far. Um, but I won't, I won't be sad if it doesn't, um, if it doesn't beat the scenario because I know it is uh, an extremely hard scenario. And if it doesn't, um, one of the next things I, I might do. Is go through with a um, with a non-off class version of the deck uh, and see whether I can um, see whether I can beat it in solo uh, on the second attempt. Um, but because uh, it has, I must admit, it has been killing me not having Lone Wolf. Um, but although having said that, like I say, I have been quite rich, so maybe maybe that's just um, maybe that's me missing previous Sephina decks rather than doing what's good for this one, as it were. Yeah, I think that one of the things I like about playing off-class decks is it make it forces you not to rely on the staples that you you know you put in every deck, and I put Lone Wolf into every single solo deck that I can feasibly put it in because why wouldn't you? Um, but it, now you can't, and so you have to think of different ways of doing it. And uh, Ditto Yorick, there's so many obviously good survivor cards for him that can't go in here. But uh, no, absolutely, I think you know I, I'm. I've liked playing Yorick and I will probably play Yorick again, uh, you know, at some point soon with with a combination of, of, of Guardian and Survivor cards because, uh, you know, it's been fun finding out what he's good at doing and then you could use Survivor cards to plug that gap. But um, yeah, I think that Sephina will... What I'm really interested actually with in listening to your recording or your, your scenario is to what extent this... Um, Kind of using a mystic uh, tools to to uh, to thwart the encounter deck uh, is is going to work uh, and and how how good is it because it's it's not one I'd thought about really in the past um, but it may be a, a nice way to deal with the vague you know the vagaries of that really uh, tough solar scenario yeah yeah hopefully uh, I'm I'm optimistic I think okay great well um, thanks for talking to me John and um, listeners will be able to hear the final pair of scenarios in the Dream Eaters campaign, uh, one on this podcast, Arkham Horror Badly, and uh, the other one on uh, John's podcast. Do you want to tell the listeners, remind the listeners what your podcast is, John? 
um, watch this, uh, which is a podcast uh, that you can't watch. <laughs> nice. Um, okay, so they'll be going up uh, at some point soon after you hear this uh, this podcast, probably. Um, and uh, please listen to them. And uh, thank you, any of you who've been listening and keeping track so far uh, of this of this dual campaign. It's been really uh, fun to record. Uh, and then yeah. after the final pair go up um, at some point, John and I will have an, uh, an epilogue podcast where we'll uh, do the epilogue to the Dream Eaters and then talk maybe about our responses to the decks and to the scenarios, uh, probably uh, commiserating over over our horrible deaths. But, um, you know, never know. Maybe there will be a light at the end of the web tunnel. OK, well, uh, thanks very much, John. Um, and uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, please uh, join uh, John on his uh, podcast, watch this, but also join me on this podcast where I will continue to play Arkham Horror, the card game, just not that well.